Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining the Downstate Abbey podcast. We're here today to talk a little bit about what is the very unsettling, very troubling, very really alarming display of state leadership by way of Andrew Cuomo's complete hack job of our public school systems. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, I'm, I'm a mother. I, I'm a person, and I see the suffering that's being brought about by his horrible policies and the manner in which I don't know what is priority for this guy, to be honest with you. I mean, we're talking our last podcast. Like, I don't know what your end game is, Andrew Cuomo, because it just seems like everything in your path is just left, you know, in total waste when you're done with it. And our public education system seems to be no exception to that. I am really honored to have someone here today to just share some insight and perspective. Um, this gentleman is a 19-year veteran of an inner city school district here in upstate New York, and he's definitely seen a vantage point that many of us don't. And I think what's been most troubling to me particularly is to see the manner in which our inner city communities are really the ones that are being completely gutted by budget cuts. They're already at risk in so many ways, and we're just seeing that this at-risk, high-needs community is not being advocated for. You know, they're communities in which there's generally high rates of crime, high rates of addiction, high rates of fatherless households, and I just cannot, for the life of me, believe we're living in a time where, like, kind of the basic social structure of public education is literally being kicked out from underneath these communities. I mean, we're talking about we're almost six months in to these kids being home. And I, I, I'll, I'll certainly let our guest today talk a little bit more about what, what he saw go down in those months. I mean, from everyone I've talked to from this district, Schenectady City Schools, it was kind of a disaster. I mean, the whole virtual learning thing was... was was pretty much a disaster. I mean, maybe there were some bright points along the way. I don't know. But uh, it's not working. Let's just be honest. It's not working. And so apparently this is the first round of what will be several budget cuts before, you know, this this whole butchering of this school district in particular is done. And I'm just, I'm beyond disgusted. I'm just beyond disgusted to watch what's being done to families. And what do you do if, if you're an essential worker household I mean, up until like late last week, you were under the impression that there were going to be three options for schooling. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, possibly a couple days in school, possibly if you want to do all virtual, um, you know, hybrid. Like there were different options in place. And then all of a sudden on Friday or Thursday or Friday, Cuomo just drops the bomb. Hey, 20 percent funding. You're not getting it. Figure it out. I mean, really, what do you do if you are an essential worker, you have kids at home, and now you're finding out that their school year is going to be completely virtual? Where do you even begin to pick up those pieces? And I, I just want to direct some time um, to our guest today and let him speak from you know his heart and what he's seen. You don't, you don't teach in a school district like Schenectady unless you really have a heart for those kids and those families. You don't make it 19 years in public education unless you really really have a heart for it, in my opinion. I mean, there's there's the cream of the crop in professions and there's the bottom of the barrel. That's true across the board in all professions, including teaching, every every profession. But I really think that if you choose to serve the at-risk you know, demographics like that of Schenectady, you really have a heart for these kids. So I'd just like to direct our attention to our guests today and um, allow you to share a little bit about what you saw from, say, March 16th and how it kind of evolved to what we're seeing today. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Um, Absolutely. My name's Jim Farina, and, and yeah, I've uh, got 19 years into the public school system, uh, 17 of which have been with Schenectady. Um, from last March, when this happened, uh, you know, 
and that is a, a good point to start because I don't think any of us saw it ending here. or Well, and we're not at the end of it. So in March when this happened, we were looking at two days to get a handle on it or two, two weeks to get a handle on it, and then, you know, we'd kind of go back. Right. Uh, six months later, obviously that's, that's not the case. So um, we got everyone, teachers, students, parents, got thrown into it headfirst. There was no prep for it. Um, you know, we went, we started using Google classrooms, teachers started looking into all the resources that they could use to start teaching it, uh, remotely, which again was primarily something very foreign for most of us. Sure. There was a learning curve. (laughs) Um, and it, it's a really in 99.9% of the time for uh, K through 12 students, it's a, it's a very inappropriate way to learn. Um, at the secondary level, it it works to some degree. It's not the best form. Um, anybody that's taken an online class would tell you that they learned less in that than in person mm. and not as well, with less experiences. Um, but at the secondary level, when you're in college or post, you know, postgraduate work, there's, you know, you have to make that fit to people's lifestyles at that point. So if a person's working full time, they can't quit their job and go back to school. So there enters online learning. But anyway, uh, getting back into it, there ended up being um, huge issues with initially getting all the kids, the technology, the the technology they needed, Mm -hmm. uh, the access to it. And then, of course, learning how to use it. Sure. Because we hadn't used it. The kids hadn't used it. The parents certainly hadn't used it. It was an entirely new Canvas, entirely new platform. Um, my district being, you mentioned high needs district, um, just to kick a couple numbers around, it is uh, the 11th most dangerous small city in the United States. It is 76% non-white. It is, and the students in the district um, 92% of them have had adverse childhood experiences, which we call ACEs. Mm-hmm. The more ACEs you have, the more at risk you are for, uh, well, uh, high, high risk activities, um, you know, ending up not graduating sure. and, and, you know, being involved in criminal acts and, and other, other things where it becomes kind of a repetitive lifestyle. Sure. Um, so for our kids, and it's also a very high poverty district. Prior to when we had, we got a grant from Walmart where now we have 100% free lunch, where we do free breakfast, free lunch, and we do a backpack program where we send the kids home for school, uh, home from school with, uh, you know, food every day and over the weekend. Prior to that, we had about a, an 80, 85% free lunch rate. So okay. very high poverty district. Um, so, you know, we ended up trying to get these kids, and I mean, this went on for months, like kind of the, most of the whole time, trying to get these kids Chromebooks, mm-hmm. get these kids internet access, um, all of that. In the meantime, teachers are trying to carry on with their classes. Um, it was very difficult. Now, that's just the academic standpoint. You mentioned kind of the, we talked about the collateral damage before we went on today. Yeah. So, these adverse childhood experiences, such as 
a person in, you know, abuse in the household, a mm -hmm. person in the household that has an addiction, a family member that's involved in crime or has went to prison, divorce. Um, you, you would, there's a long list, sure. a, a laundry list here. But when these kids are at school, and I'm not saying our schools are necessarily always an easy place to be. School's tough growing up. You know, it, it, it is at times. But our schools are a stable place for them to be where they're relatively safe and it's consistent and stable. Um, you know, they're, be, they're being fed. They're being taught. Um, and at home, you know, they don't necessarily have the support for the education, but there's a lot of other negative things that we saw in the spring happening when you started looking at uh, other numbers from police forces and things where we were seeing domestic skyrocket, uh, domestic abuse, domestic violence. Um, we saw uh, alcohol and drug use skyrocketing. We saw suicide rates skyrocketing. And, you know, these are all things where you're, these kids now are in these communities or potentially stuck in their house a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, subject to that consistently, um, you know, maybe not sleeping the way that they should. The other thing is these kids are trying, though, even if they're trying to, these kids that are in these houses in some of these areas are not in a, in a, are they're not in a space that's conducive to doing schoolwork all the time. Um, yeah. And, if you're uh, in a household with multiple children, and, you know, one one parent, if you're lucky, who's home paying somewhat of attention to the educational process for the kids. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I'm just picturing what you're saying is, yeah, imagine. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, well, OK, so lots of siblings, uh, you know, everybody's pulling on the bandwidth, trying to watch Netflix, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. Somebody's trying to do schoolwork. Uh, we got a lot of kids. They'll come in the class very tired. Well, how, well, I didn't sleep good last night. You know, music, whatever. There was a party upstairs. This you got multiple families sometimes living in a in a dwelling. Sure. A lot of kids. We do have a lot of non-traditional family structures, and um, you know, again, this this for a lot of reasons, this homeschooling is is not really the way to go, um, and it, you know. For think about it. If you're taking a college class, what do you do? You put yourself in a room at home. It's quiet. You're focused. You're working on your laptop. You're reading whatever. Um, they don't all have access to that, right. and you don't need the additional support at the secondary level that you know. Uh, let's say an elementary kid or a middle school kid or even a high school kid may need. Uh, absolutely. And if we could just talk for one second, what was your take on how well the services were provided for and received by students who were perhaps uh, special needs, learning disabilities, that sort of thing? If you take a child who's very compromised in their literacy um, capability, how do you plant them in front of a Chromebook and expect anything but a disaster? I mean, what was your take on that? Um, academically, um, the you know, there was some provisions given but uh, and, and of course, the attempts were made by the school. But again, that kid is home yeah. with the parent. And I yeah. mean, we had parents of um, special needs children that were, you know, kind of just throwing their hands in the yeah. air. Like, yeah, you know. I can imagine. Um, but aside from aside from that end of it, the academic end of it, um, we did provide we continued providing meals and that evolved a little bit quickly. 
Um, we continued to provide some health care services, mm-hmm. um, you know, because some kids get their meds from the nurse, right. nurse at school right. and different things like that. Um, and we had some staff that was assigned, like nurses were assigned to, uh, you know, working with the uh, food distribution sure. and things like that. They sent like a food bus around. So I mean, we did the best that we could as far as continuing services. Meeting um, their needs as best you could. I, yeah, but that's might... what it becomes is yeah. it's as best you can. Yeah, yeah. And how many children are in this Connecticut City School District? Is that a metric that you know um, off the top of your head? We could certainly look it up, but um, – I would be, I'd be just, I guess, curious to know sheer volume of how many kids are on, in elementary age groups and it's funny you know, middle that you school, say that, high school. Because I looked it up last night. But um, yeah, and, and what you're saying, I mean, really, my hats off to everyone who did the very best they could to make the most of the last three months of the school year. I mean, a lot of us were just thrown into it. I mean, I had, you know, five of my kids that were homeschooling. You know, and then Friday the 13th, it all went down, and they were told to take everything they could out of their lockers and. You know, the rest is kind of history. It's kind of a blur for me. But I, I you know, I'm a person that, I, you know, I'm fortunate in that I have a big yard. I can turn my kids loose, you know, go run around, go ride your bikes, go get some fresh air. You know, for kids that are in a situation where that's absolutely not happening or if there's food insecurity in the home, you know, addiction issues, my heart just breaks. And I guess my my concern is why don't we have a governor whose heart breaks for these these kids. I mean, we were talking earlier, you know, again, for for a governor who claims to believe that black lives matter, he's got a horrible way of showing it because it just seems like the at-risk marginalized communities of color are the ones that get the, the absolute abuse of this governor, the brunt of it most of the time. And this is no exception. So, you know, we're talking about a, a school district with a large number of kids, majority of which have uh, quite a bit stacked against them right from the word go. And we're talking about completely kicking out the structure of public education from them, even knowing that the last three months of the school year were I, it, they were kind of a disaster. And now, again, I know everybody did the best they could. Fine. But moving forward, how, how can we repeat that? In good conscience, how can we repeat that? And, and you know, what are, are there any changes in place that you think will allow it to go better than it did? I mean, I think that there's some factors that are just completely beyond our control and that cannot be addressed by the whole virtual learning environment. I just, I, I personally, I think it's a disaster for most of these kids that are at risk, a disaster. Well, to answer your question from before, there's 9,409 9, students in Schenectady City Schools. So a lot a of huge, little lives there. Huge yeah. student body. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, the bit with the governor, mm-hmm. um, we actually, prior to any of this happening, we were not receiving the correct amount for uh, our state funding prior to this. And what was impeding that? Um we have been battling with the state for quite some time. Our former uh, superintendent actually put a uh, placed a lawsuit against New York State for um, misappropriation and lack of funds, and and won. And we did end up getting additional funding that we're supposed to be getting, but it's still not where it's supposed to be. If you look at New York State, um, a lot of it is based on student performance. Mm. So you look at. Uh, it's kind of, they kind of put their, uh, when you look at the way that, that Cuomo has it set up in our state, it kind of puts the money on the winning horse. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. The, the problem with that is 
Um, a lot of those communities are very well funded to begin with. And a lot of those students don't need as much support as students in more uh, high-risk, impoverished communities. Um, you mentioned, you know, a governor saying Black Lives Matter. Um, it, it, that's very hard for me to believe when you're consistently marginalizing black communities. Absolutely. Um, time and time again. You look at, for instance, one of, like, in our district, one of the uh, areas that they initially cut, uh, one of the first areas was they cut all of our pre-K. So by cutting pre-K, you're leaving these kids at a very important point in time, age-wise, at home, they're, and they're not getting the head start to make them uh, more successful as they get in their elementary school years. And a lot of those kids really need that extra year. Yeah, that's foundational. Um, you know, my daughter didn't do pre-K. Um, when she went and got tested, they said, oh, she could go into kindergarten. She went to a daycare. And, you know, of course, I try to be the best parent I can be. Um, and I'm not saying that the parents in Schenectady don't, but when parents are overwhelmed, you know, working multiple jobs, that becomes a, a, a much more difficult task. You're probably not going to be doing phonics flashcards with your three and four year old when you're coming from a, ho a household that's that spread that thin like you're describing. I mean, right, exactly. Absol absolutely. And that's where the need for preschool is so evident. So wh wh when did preschool go away in the Schenectady School District? Just with this, uh, when we encounter, in, literally in the, in the past uh, week when we uh, okay. encountered okay. these cuts. Now, there's another thing. Ugh. How did you not Ugh. see that these, I'm not saying at the local level, because, you know, we don't necessarily, we're basically like, you know, we know what our monetary expectations are. Sure. So to our district, this came, the money part came as somewhat of a shock. Um, but at the state level, it's very hard to pretend that you didn't see that coming. That's impossible to, really. Um, <laughs> and, and now getting more with the, with the governor, um, you, you look at, uh, you look at other things that are happening here with private, you know, uh, our governor has made it very clear that he does not like teachers, which is odd because his mother was a teacher. Um, and he does not like teachers unions. Um, but another thing with him is you look at what's going on now in our state with private versus public education. So my daughter's going five days in person, very close to being regular. She goes to St. Mary's Institute in Amsterdam. But you look at these, you look at what's going on in public schools, and it's heavily restricted, heavily modified, hybrid models, um, and you know it. It's it's just not the same. So now you're creating more, more of a class division, divide. right? And right. Um, and it's it's no, and it, I mean it's not very hard to see like the politicians, their kids are going to private schools, or they're going at 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 the least they're going to public schools in very very up-class communities. Um, so uh, it's uh, the deal with the governor. Uh, it's, uh, it's very hard to take that seriously when uh, on one side you're saying that, but your actions are not showing it. 
Yeah, honestly, if you really wanted to declare full-on war against a, a group of people such as the black community, you'd do everything that he's doing. You'd erode their ability to become successful on every level, you know, knock out <laughs> pre-K. I mean, what are what are the literacy rates in this Connecticut City, City School District? I'd be curious to know. I mean, graduation rates are one thing, but how many of these kids are growing up to be gainfully employed, you know, find a, a trade that they can support themselves and make a good living at? I mean, how many of them are truly the success stories that we all want our kids to become, you know, and then then these sort of attacks on the black community are so prevalent and they're straight from they're straight from the desk of Andrew Cuomo. And it, it's despicable. It's absolutely despicable that we, we sit and we watch this privileged way of executing governance over New York State. And it's it's completely decimating black communities. You know, it's setting these kids up for failure right from the word go. And I'm so sick of watching it. It just sickens me. As a, as a parent, it just sickens me because every one of these kids is every precious as my own kids. And it breaks my heart that they're being victimized like this. You know, and I, honestly, my heart breaks for you. My heart breaks for all these teachers who, you know, for, for a lot of them, this is really their life work. Like this is their sole purpose. Their purpose in life is to educate. And so for them to have this bomb dropped on them, I'm really curious what the teachers union's response to Cuomo is going to be. I'm just curious because to me, you've got to state watching. Like I am very, very in tune to watching and listening to how the union responds to Cuomo because it really seems to me like there's a point here where you've all, you got to pick a side. You're either going to go up against this monster who's destroying our state piece by piece, day by day, or you're going to lay down and play dead. And if you choose the latter of the two, you better not be pissing and wailing when when your retirement fund is gone, you're unemployed, and your profession doesn't exist anymore. Because he's completely gutting everything that matters in our communities. And, and another thing about communities of color, specifically Schenectady, and this this burns me up from the inside out, is this, this whole bail reform is targeting communities just like Schenectady, where they're taking drug dealers and gangbangers that are getting arrested and they're completely re-releasing them into communities. When you have domestic violence skyrocketing, like you said it did in Schenectady, and we all know it did everywhere during this whole lockdown, house arrest, don't call it quarantine, because quarantine is when you put sick people in isolation until they get well. That's not what was happening. So when we, we have this playing out where domestic violence is, is skyrocketing, and we have a, a governor who puts in place a bail reform so that, you know, the father who is smacking the crap out of the mom and the kids, throwing her down the stairs, he gets taken down to the precinct, he gets processed, and then he gets released that very night because of the bail reform. You know, what do we really think these kids have been going through since March? Really? And you couple that with the glimmer of hope of going back to school in September, and then that's whisked away from you? That's just cruel. That, that is a sick, sadistic individual who likes to string people along, knock their legs out from under them, watch them get up on their feeble little legs and knock them out again. And that's exactly what he's doing to our black communities. And I am so tired of it. Looking at a little bit bigger scale with the you, you caught me with the knocking you off your feet type of thing. Pulling, yeah. And I, I, I refer to it as pulling the rug out from underneath a lot Pretty of people. Much. Um, all along here. You know, gyms are going to be able to reopen. Gyms are reopening on this day. Gyms put thousands of dollars and man hours into getting ready. And then literally the last minute, the rug gets pulled out. Psych. 
And then the same thing happened with arcades. The same thing happened with so many businesses. Well, I think the important pieces is the strip clubs were allowed to open. Right. I mean, before right. any of those aforementioned. Well, and not even, just social distancing. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It, really. Yeah. As, as far sure as the, the schools, uh, here, here's just something to think about. Um, and there's so many points that you brought up that are, are absolutely Great points. I wish um, they weren't. I wish they weren't true, but they all are. I know. <laughs> um, one of the points is, uh, and I don't know why I haven't heard this discussed more, is since March, daycares have been open without restrictions. Exactly. So if this is, if kids are super spreaders and this is such a deadly disease and all these things, mm. um, and I'm not saying that COVID... 19 SARS COVID 2 is is not real. Of course but I'm, not. None but, of us are. Yeah. But when you look at it that way, um, so since March, daycares have been open unrestricted. And let's just pause there and say these are kids from household mostly of essential workers who are probably very likely to be in contact with COVID 19. Sure. I mean, okay, but carry um, on. Yeah. I mean, I even know personally, like some people, like, you know, uh, medical professionals and uh, firefighters and police that their kids go to daycare every day. Yeah, and they now, have. these are COVID-wise, that's that's high risk, That right? would be about the most high-risk population you can imagine, yeah. So we look at schools now. So schools go hybrid or they go full remote. And uh, all of these kids that are not in school under the legal age of 12, that's mm-hmm. the legal age to leave a child home alone, they're in daycares, unrestricted. So with no spread happening, in, like right. At all. So and and what's very strange is we really didn't hear. There was one instance that I can think of where they talked about twenty some odd kids in a daycare at Albany Med. Yes, getting coming, you know, being testing positive. Um, and though that was and that was the end of it. Nothing severe happened to any of them. But other than that, you didn't hear a lot of it. But now you're hearing school opened. Two days later, there's an outbreak. Well, wait a minute. You've only been in school for two. You didn't get it at school. And my question, I guess, is are they testing kids before they come in? I mean, and I don't know the answer to that. That's a big question, Um, Mark. Are are, you being swabbed before you get admitted to Oneonta's on-campus housing, um, for example? Some of the colleges tested incoming students, from what I've understood. Some didn't. As far as the public schools... No. Right. Um, I know my daughter's school, what they're doing there is on the way in, they do, uh, you know, they line them up and they do like a temperature check. Yeah. Um, which which isn't very invasive. And I to tell you the truth, pre-COVID, like, I mean, I would say, you know, if, you know, if you didn't, if they sent you to the nurse, you went to the nurse and you had a fever, you should not be there. Yeah, that's You know, that's, fair to, that's yeah. fair to say. Um, but point being is, is there's some... Uh, let me rephrase some. There is a massive amount of hypocrisy in the orders, the actions in relation to COVID. And and that being one of them is that you're taking all these kids. It's okay to send them to daycares, no masks, no restrictions, but it's not okay for them to be in school. It's the same thing. Imagine. It's yeah. not social distancing with a large group of kids. Mm-hmm. With no restrictions. And in school, they have all restrictions in place. Um, 
I really, one of the saddest things I saw, um, I saw uh, an article with some pictures in it and, and just even thinking about it, the kindergartners that are going to school for the first time and this is their first experience with public school right. or private school. Right. And to me, that's very sad. Um, it is. It truly is. I mean, is. Just, the, just the concept of, uh, listen, uh, to, when I put on a mask and to walk 10 feet into a restaurant to sit down and take it off, that's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. And I can assure you I've done some pretty dumb things. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, but did you order at least a minimum of a sandwich before yeah, you go to the gym? Because that's it, the important piece. There's so, and, Don't be reckless, man. <clears throat> oh, and uh, another thing <laughs> when you talked about uh, not academic-related but af- affecting everyone, including affecting uh, our people of color populations across the, across the state, is um, you look at our unemployment numbers nationally. Mm-hmm. And locally in March, they were phenomenal, all time lows. Well, you shut down the state and you shut down the economy, which let's be real, it's still shut down to a very large extent. Um, It's still shut down now, and you shut it down for six months. You know, what do you think is going to happen? And again, I can't say that they didn't see this happening because. If he, you look at all the things he talks about, the data of this, data of this, decisions with this, decisions with science, that, science, all science. the people that are working under him, and you mean to tell me you didn't see that there was going to be a, a 20% reduction in school districts? Yeah, uh, there, there's no way. There's absolutely no way he wasn't aware that he was going to pull this nonsense. There, there, there's no way. I, I will never, ever believe he didn't see this coming. Uh, and it's horrifying that he has just dragged people along. I mean, think how cruel it is for the people of, say, Schenectady. We're talking about them today. We'll keep talking about Schenectady School District. Imagine the planning that went into place for the distancing and the partitions and that these kids are going to be in on this all day, summer. these kids all summer long, the, uh, the hundreds, uh, thousands of hours. How are we going to bus? What's, what are the routes going to look like this, that everything? Why in the world would you let people put that kind of effort into something when you knew that you were going to rip the rug out from under them on September 2nd and 3rd? I mean, that's just sadistic. You cannot tell me, you cannot tell me, that he didn't have everything he needed to know that the financial reality was going to be what it was going to be. But beyond that, like you said, I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars every single day in this state lost in sales tax revenue. And I'm getting really tired of people treating, you know, capitalism and commerce like it's some sort of evil when it's the very lifeblood that keeps our valuable social programs alive and kicking. So, I mean, we've got the restaurant industry suing our own governor. How embarrassing is that? Suing him for two billion dollars irreparable damages i mean the guy has a state that has the city in it with more millionaires in it than any other city in the world and he's managed to screw that up i mean these people are leaving as fast as they can and they're taking their money with them what really well we all didn't see the writing on the wall here I saw it. You saw it. I hope everybody else can see what's going on here. He is hell bent on destroying our public school system. And I've that's been all saying it since it. the beginning, and I mean, anybody that followed me on on social media, like I've I've tried to speak out about this the best I can, um, and I've gotten a lot. And, and the the wild thing to me is, I got a lot of negative feedback about it. And what was interesting is when this happened with Schenectady, is I you know I. 
I was, I didn't say I told you so, but in not so many words, <laughs> I told you so. I mean. Would you just look at that? Just look at it. Just about verbit. Yeah, <laughs> kind of is. like, uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, I, there it is. That was what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, the deal with the, uh, it, the unemployment hmm. um, and the effects of that, which, which again, we, we're still heavily restricted, heavily shut down. And, you know, you can look at it as some things are open, but um, even what that, let's look at it. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> so they just opened. capacity is reduced right. by 50%. So, are you really I, I think open? some people lack perspective on a lot of things, and they're not necessarily given perspective when they're being, you know, fed their news. But 25% capacity. Now, you think about this. I'd like anybody you know, whether they're listening right now or not, to just think, could you survive on 25% of your salary? Now, most people would say no, or you wouldn't survive very long. Well, that's what these businesses are being asked to do. That's exactly what they're being asked to do. And um, what they're being demanded with the threat right. of fines. If they, if they um, step outside the lines, we're going to fine you. There are, uh, and, and now at the same time, that everyone is taking some, and, and the other thing, as far as the restrictions, even if it's not a percent capacity, there's some things like me personally, I, you know, if I have to go in and be treated like there's something wrong with me mm -hmm. and I have to wear a mask doing certain things, um, it's a buzzkill. Yeah, you, and, you and I may I may just choose to do something else. I know I'm gonna uh, stay home and light some stuff on fire in my backyard. There you and, go. And buy some um, local IPA. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, it's so it's so uncomfortable, really. With but we my, can drive um, through the drive-through at Taco Bell all day, all night, with two people working in it because they're short-staffed and they may or not be complying with any of the the you know mandates of hygiene and and you know d disinfecting and whatnot i mean that's what was horrifying to me through this whole thing is all the major chains were wide open all day all night but uh, the mom and pops were the ones who were catching ten thousand dollar fines because somebody stood too close to somebody else there was a huge bit on the news about that the other night that i watched and it was if you look at the riots if you look at the shutdowns big corporations did not take a hit no, it was the largest transfer of wealth in U.S. history. Everything, that correctly. Uh, everything that happened happened to small business owners. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this is a this goes completely again. You want to call yourself a, a Democrat and be and stand on a Democratic platform, furthering the income divide and support and and basically outright supporting and helping large corporations. That's not supposed to be part of the it seems blueprint. a little counterintuitive, um, but that that's what we're watching happen. That is and, what and we're that watching. That whole happen. trickle down impact financially. This is what happens. It victimizes the very community that you have and so many others have poured their life into educating. And it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. You mentioned the fast food. You, you drive through any of them. I mean, the lines are all day, all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. <laughs> well, and these and, and are begrudge fast food. I'm not begrudging anybody that works within the no, industry. Sure. It's just a glaringly obvious example of the hypocrisy. Well, the thing that gets me though is, you know, you you start looking at some of the the things that people, especially in the spring, you look now in the spring. Uh, liquor stores were deemed essential, which <laughs> made 
No sense. Vape shops and liquor stores. And yes. I'm, I'm thinking, yes, you're more alcohol. Than yeah, to alcohol and tobacco <laughs> is essential. And I'm, I'm going. So you're gonna, and and it's funny because liquor stores experienced huge booms in sales. They did. But if you just had knee surgery and you had to go to physical therapy, like especially within those first few days of having had surgery, that literally determine whether or not you're going to get your knee working to capacity or not, mm-hmm. you were SOL. You could go booze it up and you could pick up your you know, jewel at the vape shop, but you weren't going to be able to get physical therapy when he when that widespread shutdown happened. I mean, a very mm-hmm. dear friend of mine, that's exactly what happened. His father had a knee, you know, whole knee replacement. He's never going to get his knee back to capacity. You know, no. if you don't, I mean, if that's not essential, I don't know what is. But yeah, you're right. It's it's the defining of what was essential and what wasn't. Absolutely breathtakingly, horrifyingly hypocritical. And I mean, we've got a few minutes to wrap things up here. But what we're seeing play out in our school districts is nothing short of heartbreaking. I don't know. Do you see? Do you see an end game that Cuomo has here? I mean, what what do you personally see being the natural progression of what what's happening right now? I mean, what happens to our children? What happens to the marginalized communities, especially when public education, as we know it, as flawed as it may be, as in need of, in my opinion, revamping on a lot of different levels as it is, when it's just ripped away from these kids? What do you think is the goal here? Well, I, I think that he made it very clear last spring when he said, uh, and I mean, and to speak to anyone in education, they would disagree with this, and parents and children would as well. But he said, well, we've had so much success with this remote model. Yeah, no, we haven't. The quote was, <laughs> I don't know survived. why the traditional model persists, wants to move. And he, he went on to talk about how he wanted to. Re-envision. Yeah, re-envision it, go, go much more in the direction of remote learning, Let's get um, Bill Gates to try once, and he think, actually Bill? said he was working with Bill Gates <laughs> yeah. to do this. And Great. teachers got in a bit of a uproar about that. It was it was good to see that um, the unions kind of got a little riled up. Um, but on the flip side of that coin, what did we see over the summer? Teachers, many of the teachers, and the union in New York State uh, pushing to be made non-essential and not go back and work remote. There's consequences to that. Mm. What I think the end game is with him is push the remote, be able to cut funding to the school districts, cut costs with the school districts, and eventually be able to probably – he's taken steps already to break the teachers union. He may, It's an open shop union now. Mm. It's not closed. Yeah. So you, you have your choice now if you want to be in it. Um, and I think that ultimately that is he, – he would like to um, – really changed the face of education as we know it to exactly what he said, more full, more remote or full remote and where the costs would be significantly less. I mean, I could teach 300 kids online. Yeah, exactly. I could teach 24 in an hour in school. Exactly. And at what cost long-term to society as we know it, I guess is my question. You I don't know, think he cares. I, I am thoroughly convinced he doesn't. I'm thoroughly convinced he doesn't. I think he just sees a certain dollar sign, a certain dollar amount above public education. This is what we dump into it every year. This is what we could dump into our general fund if it were completely non-existent. And I really think that it's hard for me to imagine somebody that's that's that primitive in their thinking that's that much of a a, really a knuckle dragger that they just don't think in a more evolved manner as to what the damage really is 
But I, I really think that's what we're working with here. I really do. I, I mean, I talked about flattening the curve. I've said it before. The only curve that flattened, in my opinion, was the slope of his forehead because he's more like a Neanderthal every single day. He's putting criminals back on the street, rapists back on the street. People who victimize children are getting, you know, the, a free pass to continue to do so. He wants our communities, especially our communities of color, to basically be illiterate. I mean, obviously, the guy is a complete Neanderthal, and I, I just cannot sit here any longer and watch what he's doing. Because really, if we're not investing in our kids, we're, we're, we're done. Our, our kids are our future. They're, we're going to answer to them someday. They're going to be the ones in charge of our care one day. We would do very, very well to honor our children the way that we're intended to. And by honor, I mean, you know, set up school in a way that is truly allowing them to become the best version of themselves that they can be. And that's not what's happening here. It's, it's like this guy, Andrew Cuomo, is just completely out of touch with what life is like for a huge segment of our population. And the addiction epidemic is just growing every day. I mean, how he thinks that we're going to empty our prison systems to the point that they're at 25% capacity. I mean, I don't know what and you be see. Be aware that's a national, <laughs> that's a national thing. There, that's not, when you look at that bill, yeah. that speaks of going forward with it. At, at the national level, and which is terrifying, and there are other states that are that are looking at that as well. Yeah, it's probably the top five, the same ones that basically shut down their states. You know, you know, we have New York, we have Pennsylvania, we have New Jersey, we have California, and we have Michigan. You know. <laughs> the five five finger death punch states there that literally are just punching in the gut their people. You know, those five are the ones that are. They're emptying their prisons. They're they're very much following the same model that Governor Cuomo is with with this. And I just where does it end, people, is my is my question to all of you. Where does it end? Because you're literally watching him rip away everything that matters most, okay? Our ability to connect with our loved ones. You know, how many of you were not able to spend last hours, last days? We're gonna talk about this in our next segment with your loved ones because of the whole debacle with our nursing homes and long-term care facilities. How many of you haven't been able to see your loved ones in months because of that? You know, how many of you were barely hanging on for months working, trying to homeschool your kids? How many of you, you know, watched your seniors in high school completely miss out on a whole whole life experience that'll never come again? And again, first world problems to a certain extent, I get that, but we're really talking about serious life or death issues here. We're well, talking we live in about a first kids. world country. We live in a first world country, and I can <laughs> That's see that the it, expectation. It, could be, it could become third world really in the blink of an eye if we keep on this on this pathway. And that's not an overdramatization. We're talking about crime running rampant in the street. We're talking about taking the basic principles of wanting our children to grow up to be literate and productive and you know valuable members of society. And I just don't see that we have a governor who holds any of those values dear i don't know what the guy values other than power and money i just i, I don't sorry andrew cuomo I, I got nothing beyond that for you i i cannot see where you value anything that i value as a human being and that so many others value as a human being so i you know i really i thank you for your time you know jim and sharing from your heart i know we could probably sit here and talk for hours because it, it's just that upsetting and that 
pervasive of an issue that it's just, it, it, it doesn't end. You know, you start talking about it and just the lives that it's impacting. It's like this ever evolving conversation that has no end, the never ending story. But I just, I hope, and I truly pray that our state will turn around. I pray that our public education system can be salvaged. I mean, I know, you know, you've been very open and honest about the dysfunction within public education. And it's not, it's not a criticism of teachers necessarily. I mean, we're, we're all working with what we have to work with, but the answer to just completely gut it and decimate it and leave nothing for our families and kids is, is I can't just sit here quietly and watch it happen. I just can't. I mean, not everyone is able to necessarily put their kids in a private school environment. Many, many, many people make huge sacrifices to do so. You know, these are not just wealthy people that put their kids in private school. Some of them are working class people who pick up second and third jobs to put their kids in an environment where they can have as close to a normal, you know, school experience as possible with certain, you know, moral frameworks that support the way that they're being raised at home. So I understand it's a big struggle ahead of us. And I, I really thank you for your time. And maybe there'll be opportunity in the future to talk again, but we'll see what the weeks ahead bring. I shudder to think if there's more than one swoop of the budget cuts here. I mean, you're saying this is one of three or four that you anticipate For Schenectady, coming. yes. And, don't, and, I, and I'll tell you, uh, I really think what you're going to see in the next two to three weeks is an explosion of cases this second wave they've been predicting. I would agree. Yep, and and you're going to see a lot of other schools go to that alternative plan where they're full remote again. This yeah. is going to yeah. continue on for a while. Yeah, sadly. Yep, sadly. But thank you so much for your time. And, Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone, and really just, just keep plodding along, keep pressing forward, and I really hope and pray that we can take our state back. I love you all. I love our state way too much to just sit by and watch this. So until next time, take care. Yeah.